creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines, and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix, just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus... You get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join 
the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. You talk, mm-hmm. and then you kiss, mm-hmm. and when you kiss somebody, mm-hmm. it's like that's like that meaningful thing. We definitely talked for hours and hours and hours and hours before we kiss. So, how did you feel when I saw him? No. Okay. The minute you kissed him. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. Wee wee you. Emergency news. <laughs> Today has been an interesting day, <laughs> to say the least. I did not think today would come, but the Dark Lord is coming out with a podcast. DLP? No. The original Dark Lord, Dark Lord Harrison. He has been lying in wait in the shadows <laughs> of Texas, biding his time, building a new project. And today he released a teaser. Sounds like Harry Potter. <laughs> it is like Harry Potter. It's like Voldemort coming back, yeah. Sauron coming back, whatever evil villain in uh, contemporary American or English literature you want to talk about. But that is what it feels like. He's coming out with a podcast. It's called The Most Dramatic Podcast Ever with Chris Harrison. Lauren Zima is involved in the production of it. Uh, and he dropped the teaser for it today as we record this Monday, December 19th. And we're very curious to see what's in that podcast. We're going to be doing a little bit more analysis of the teaser itself. The teaser trailer and the description are so different. I feel yes. like this is something that we need to talk about. We don't know what the podcast is about. Both of them kind of insinuate different directions like the teaser sounds like basically it's about him getting fired versus the description is like he's going to talk about romance and love dating tips and then i mean i immediately had the reaction of like is this the like slow play up to he's running for office might be i mean here's the thing never hurts i think if you're going to run for politics for political office to remain in the spotlight to maintain your celebrity And he has been essentially completely absent from the spotlight since the events of Bachelor Season 25 unfolded. He was brought before Rachel Lindsay. He was brought before Good Morning America and then was summarily dismissed from the Bachelor franchise. So it seems like he has a lot to say. That's kind of what the teaser was about. You know, that he's going to be... He implies that he's going to be talking about getting fired from the show. He implies he's going to... Open up a rich bouquet once he goes into his wine cellar of tea, into his tea cellar, pulls out a (laughs) rich bouquet of some sort of tea. I have no idea what we're going to we're going to see coming out of this. But or is it going to be bachelor recaps like it's got a bachelor themed title? It's I'm so curious. The bachelor themed title. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this again more in depth on this week in Bachelor Nation at the end of the week, for sure. I know. I can't help it. I can't either. It's all I'm thinking about. It's it's uh, taking over my mind. Is Zima going to be on it? Where is Relationships? Zima has to be on it. He's the only one in the cover art. 
Yeah, but Vial's the only one on the cover of Vial Files, and his producer's in the show all the time. And again, we're going to go into so much detail about this, I already know. I know. I'm sorry. I just, like, it's pouring out of me now. I have so many questions. I just, I did not see this coming. A fellow podcaster. Yeah, he's now entering the Bachelor podcast world. Whether his podcast is about The Bachelor or not. Now we can unionize. (laughs) Yeah, now he can lead us into a union. He's going to get his health care. <laughs> yeah, please, Dark Lord Harrison. But um, whatever his podcast is about, it is in the Bachelor universe. He is going to be now in the Sauce Wars. Whether he's going to be a fence player, a tea player, a sauce player, we don't know. Because I don't think he can legally necessarily be a tea player. But I don't think he's got any incentive to keep slinging the sauce. Because he hates the people who made him do that now. No, but he has a $9 million contract with the sauce. So in that way, isn't it necessarily a sauce podcast? Anyway, this has been State of the Game. I know. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's its crazy. I, I, I didn't think we, I had high expectations for Pitmas. Pitmas is already exceeding expectations. This is wild. I didn't think we were going to hear from him again until whatever show he's developing and to my knowledge, he is developing currently, or at least a show is being developed for him to host, that is a network reality dating format. What type of development? Who can know? Who can know? I'm sure there's a production company that has done a bunch of other big podcasts, and he's taken meetings with everybody, and he chose the best one, and they're going to tailor make a show around him or something like this. Uh, I don't think he's just going to be plugged into another show. That said, we don't know where that development is. Um... But I didn't think we were going to hear from him until that show was about to come out and he started doing his rounds of promotion for it. This is something very different. This is basically an attempt at making a show, a podcast, that is his and his alone. It's on iHeartRadio, though, I think, that network. I don't know if they have any involvement in it in terms of are they producing it or are they just putting it out? Oh, so he already has a network. Let me get this information correct. Is he going to have, like, what does that intro sequence sound like? Is he going to have sound effects, music? If Zima is on it, I mean, she's not in the cover, so she's just like friend of in it, or she's the producer. This is what his, this is what the comment says. I'm very excited to announce my new partnership with iHeartRadio launching a podcast network. This is his caption, sorry, to the the announcement. More importantly, I'm excited to connect with all of you once again. I love you all and have missed you very much. It's time we talk. Click the link in my bio to hear more and follow us. And then you can hear the teaser where he starts insinuating essentially that he's going to talk about getting fired. But I don't think that's the case. So that's interesting here. He says he's launching a podcast network partnering with iHeartRadio. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the other shows in that network are. I think there's a lot of Bachelor stuff in that network. Maybe. Interesting. Yeah, I think it... I feel like maybe this is the middle step. And it's like, he's feeling it out, trying to see, like, what will the backlash be? He's like, it's been long enough. I can dip back into, like, my voice. I'll slowly go with my voice and Mm. then my face. Yeah, maybe. Or he could be starting the reality TV show podcast network. Who knows? I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what's going on here. But I do know this. All of it, Mm. whatever his plans are, rest on the quality of this podcast. If this thing is a failure, it is not going to be good for him. And if it is not, it is going to be great for him. Who's the first guest? 
I don't know. I don't even know if he has guests. What if he doesn't have guests? What if it's just him talking for an hour about politics or something? We have no idea. No way. You think it's just him talking by himself? I have no idea. Tell me what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I only am looking at this picture. The picture is very serious. The picture looks like it's only him to me. That doesn't look like an interview show to me. But an interview show with just one host, the cover will be that one host. I'm just saying there's something in his eye. that There's something in his eye that says he's alone. You don't understand. I've spent more time looking into that man's eyes. How is he going to talk for one hour improv? Maybe somebody writes it for him. I'm just saying I have spent more time looking into Dark Lord Harrison's eyes when I have been making memes over the past three years, turning him into a devilish figure with glowing red eyes. I have spent more time looking into those eyes <laughs> than I think even Lauren Zima has at this point. <laughs> And the image I'm seeing here, what those eyes convey to me is, this is my show. Me. And that's it. We'll see. I could be wrong, but we'll see. You know, we had a, we had a, <laughs> we had him repost <laughs> a slightly altered vision of that smile too. So oh, I think God. you might recognize his smile even more than the man yes. himself. All right. Well, look, we have to move on. We have to get to our recap, but rest assured we're going to be talking about this again on Friday, going into even more depth than we already have here. It's hard to imagine us stopping talking about it <laughs> ever. I agree, but but, yes. but we have to do this recap. So we're going to stop talking about it for now, but we are potentially going to be getting even more information about it in the next two days leading into Digging Deeper. Well, I mean, I'm going to be Googling the living shit out of it. I may uncover some information on my own because I, I need it at this point. I need to know what is happening here. You going to page two and three of Google search results? Yeah. How is my my uh, world and indeed my life about to change as a result of this? Because certainly it will. Let's move on. We have we have a bit of business before we do what we came here for. Oh, Jesus. How could I have forgotten? We are going to have our first pit wide live show on YouTube on Friday, December 23rd at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. That's 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And it is going to be a March Madness style bracket of the parasocial plays of the year. And the pit will be voting on them head to head. And we will be giving those live updates as the results come in to determine the best parasocial play of the year. Yeah, I'm so curious about this because I know you and I have our own debates about mm -hmm. is it this play, is it this play? But now we're going to get to see really... Uh, democracy thing. Yeah, like what does the pit think of these things? I love yeah. this shit. And I can't wait to cover the bracket as a sport itself as we watch these parasocial plays facing off and who will be the parasocial play of the year and you know it's all part of the game i always say in addition to that we have another big <laughs> another big announcement mary pitmas the uh, game of roses back catalog is here we finally figured out how to add it to our patreon via youtube without bombarding everyone on the Patreon for every single episode. So now you can listen to that entire back catalog. I think it's up till Claire's season, now available at patreon.com slash Game of Roses. Yeah, those are some interesting episodes to go back and listen to as well. How much we've learned 
it takes me back when I listen to those episodes of like when you and me were just kind of like seeing if we could do this, learning how to do it at all, really, you know, it, it was a different time. Also, just like us learning to do it, but also historical moments in Bachelor, like when you're saying that it was an error for Jed to not bring his guitar out during the proposal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh shit, the good times. The cost that cost him. <laughs> that shit was pre-pandemic. I mean, you can really there's a lot of stuff that was like different in the world then, you know? It's and it wasn't that long ago. It was like three and a half years ago. Anyways, those are available now. Patreon.com slash Game Roses. Enjoy if that's something you've been uh you know trying to get a hold of. It's all available now. Let us know if there's any like predictions also that we made early on that have come true that we forgot about. <laughs> that's what I want. Yeah, the, definitely the coining of the pit was in one of those very first episodes. Being in the fandom of the pit. We have to figure out when that was. Well, we will figure that out. We will let you know. I believe Dark Seeker posted it, actually, in a reel or something. That clip from whatever episode it was. I think that might be on our Instagram still. Oh, that was the first? I think so. Oh, gore history. Indeed. But now let's move on. Let's do what we've come here to do. Pace case, please. And now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. All right, so we got episodes seven and eight coming up of Love is Blind season three. Episode seven begins 15 days until the weddings. We see a Chiron on the screen and we're at Alexa's dad's house. Uh, picking up where we left off in episode six with Brennan being grilled by Alexa's dad and Brennan ITMs that he's nervous about the conversation with her dad. He doesn't want animosity or any kind of an objection to the relationship. He wants to put his mind at ease and he takes this seriously. He's in it for life. And then we see this conversation between them. And the dad reminds Brennan that he doesn't want his baby to get hurt. And she expects a lot out of life. She wants to live life to the fullest. Uh, Travel, food, fun. And he wants to make sure that she's with somebody who can give her what she's used to. So this is just a straight, do you have enough money to support my daughter conversation? Brennan says he can't make that promise. He replays his PTC about growing up with no heat or AC in his house. And he says he wants to provide those things for his family. And he promises her dad that he's going to work hard every day to give her the best life she deserves. So he's not saying... I will live up to your financial expectations. He's simply saying, I will work very hard to attempt to. And that seems to be good enough for Alexa's dad. Dad says he's going to speak his mind if he sees Brennan slacking off or fucking around, which basically means fine. But if you're not making enough money, I will come to you and say, this is not enough money. And Brennan says <laughs> he's 100% certain about being in love with his daughter. They might have different backgrounds, but they value the same things in life. And he, he brings up love for the family. He'll give his entire effort to it. The dad says, that's fine. He's going to go by his daughter's judgment and he hopes they'll have great lives. This is essentially a blessing here. And then the dad mm -hmm. ITMs that they live an affluent lifestyle and Brennan is different than who uh, he thought she would marry, but he's giving that blessing, literally says the word. And then Alexa's dad says, I have one last thing to ask of you. You said you would convert to Judaism. Just a couple of things. Alexa's father... How did they get their money? Was he 007? He conveyed a very 007 vibe to me. <laughs> yes. Interesting. I could see that. Did she ever mention it in the show? I don't know. Possibly. But I just, I was like, he, who is this character? And what we'll get to next, I was like. You, you think he's like 
an Israeli uh, CIA secret service type, like assassin type dude? I don't know. I'm just like, the, <laughs> what we'll get to. He's like, well dressed. He was like yeah. a, a charmer. Yeah, I was very intrigued by this, this dad character. <laughs> I agree. He's great. Uh, a very good dad. But he asked Brennan one last thing. He says, you said you would convert to Judaism. And he says, yes, that's right. And then Alexa's dad unrolls a giant thing of knives, including a <laughs> Bowie knife, all kinds of weird survival knives. It's just a, a strange collection of various knives. And he's making a joke here, of course, about circumcision. Now, to play this joke out, he's got to have a big roll of knives. So one yes. of two things is true. Either he was like, I'm going to do this joke. Let me go buy a roll of knives off Amazon. If you can do that, I don't know. And then the other thing that's possible is he just has a bunch of these knives. And that speaks to the point you're making. Why does he have all these knives? I feel like he had these knives. I feel like this is a wild thing to have unless you're like a knife guy. I agree. Like it was. <laughs> I agree. It was <laughs> right. Like this man is a knife man. And they were like, you know what? But he's also into pranks. And that's why I'm like, he has layers. Yeah. But you're right. Also like affluent stuff and well-dressed and like, you're right. Something might be going on here with Alexa's dad. We may never know, <laughs> but uh, he's entertaining. I mean, I mean the 007 thing fully in a positive way. I just, I see no boundaries for him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we then move on to the next hometown. We're at Matt's mom's house. Colleen and Matt come to meet his family. There's a big group, mom, friends. There's a brother, a guy in a grilling apron that has a print of a nude man's uh, torso on it. Love that. <laughs> that shit was great. Always be totting. I mean, literally, though, this guy is like, you're going to be on a fucking reality TV show. At this point, Love is Blind is in season three. The first two seasons were hit fucking seasons. This guy knows what Love is Blind is. They say we're coming to shoot an episode of Love is Blind with this other guy you know, and he's like, perfect. And he puts that fucking apron it's on. Time. He's like, this is it. <laughs> I fucking absolutely love it. They came to play just like Alexis dead. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it like the knives? Do you think these props are producer written? Oh, you think he went out and bought? I, do I think that man already had the apron before Love is Blind shot this? Yes. Okay. I think he... And the father were like, what kind of props do I have? What do I have to work with? Really? I There's a piece of me that thinks the producers did this. If a producer did one of them, I would think it would be the apron. I agree. The knives is a bit much. But, you know, at the point where Brennan and Alexis start talking about religion and he's saying, I'll convert for you, they might already be building that joke in their mind. Let's see if we can get her dad to do a circumcision joke. Okay, what's the joke? They fucking spend 10 minutes roundtabling it and they come up with that. I could see that happening. And then they're like, let's get 10,000 knives. No, sure. you would be like, let's just get one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's too many knives. It's too many knives. That's why it's real. Oh, my God. I think it's too many to be a prop. <laughs> That's why it's real. It's too intense. It's too intense for a bit to solely be for a bit. But the apron... I could see being solely a bit. And this is why I love meeting in the family. It's always the best because there's just all of these wild cards. Yeah. It's like people that know they're getting this moment on television and that's it. Every once in a while, you get somebody like that. That's like, fuck it. If this is my only shot on TV, I'm putting on my apron with a 
nude man's torso print. As long as I get in that frame, I'll be on the show. They're going to remember me. I'll make a splash. (laughs) (laughs) We get this meeting of the family of Matt's family. His mom. Oh, my God. His mom has this hairstyle, this Ben and Kate plus eight hairstyle. I, I, I was transfixed by it this whole time. They joke like, oh, Matt's bringing home another woman. Like, oh, it's just another one. And Matt's mom goes, what is it about Matt to Colleen? She's like, oh, we're joking around constantly, but he's such a strong man, beautiful person. I kept falling in love with him. This public love level four. And asks, what about problems? And... Colleen is like, well, we had a tiff. He was pretty much done. But I was like, I'm going to fight for you. And Matt's like, I don't want to ride cloud nine into marriage. It's a feature, not a bug. (laughs) (laughs) There is also something about these conversations. I'll just say this. This, I became very aware of it during hometowns. Mm -hmm. Um, There was something about the show that seemed more real to me than Bachelor. That facade is gone now. All of these conversations in hometowns are so fucking stilted. The producers are telling the people to be like, ask them why they chose this person. Now ask them this. It's like almost everything in these conversations, you can feel the producer standing a foot away, literally feeding them lines. Ask this, ask this. Sometimes, I mean, and we'll get to this, I'm sure. At some point, people are like laughing after asking the question. Like later, there's a conversation between Andrew and Nancy where he asks like, how are you feeling now? And they both just are going, because <laughs> it's so fucking set up. The producers are one foot away telling them to have this weird conversation. They don't give a shit. They don't feel any spark between each other. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping so far ahead, but that is what's happening. This whole show is fake. I know. I feel like that's part of the structural problem, though, is that you you start to lose that drama and you need to manufacture it towards the end because it's like you lose it. We'll, we'll get there. These two episodes really, for me, like crystallized that this game has problems, I think, in its uh, building of drama in late season. There's like this weird gap that we hit in these two episodes that is like between all of the couples meeting up and the actual wedding days. And it's like, what are you doing there? You get a couple of hometowns and it's fun to meet the family. And then what? Because the ones who don't want to be in the show, which some people don't, are like, you can't make a story out of that. They're not in the fucking show. It's uh, it's very weird. Anyway, I have gotten ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, we see the mom, Becky, grab Colleen. Oh, and she ITMs, by the way. I see a light in his eyes that has not been there in a long time. Mom, glow. And the mom asks if Colleen is really ready. I wrote, this is a glow so powerful. It can be seen through the sunglasses Matt never removed. Because she said she saw a light in his eyes, but he had sunglasses on the whole time. I just, <laughs> I just found it funny. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like an X-Men. Colleen says, people have dated for shorter amounts of times and run to the courthouse, but I'm going with how I feel. I know it's really weird, but it's how much I love him. And... Becky is like, of course, when I met Greg, I knew. I assume this is her uh, paramour. And Colleen says, I don't think I'm that good of an actress. And at this point, I was like, wait, but are you? What? <laughs> Why are you bringing up an actress? Exactly. And eventually, in the same conversation, 
his mom asks is, uh, you're laughing and smiling all the time. Is that all in quotes because of camera? This phrase because of camera fucking jumped out of the screen at me. I saw it flying towards my eyes in giant 3D letters. It, it has to become part of the lexicon now. Because of camera. B-O-C. <laughs> I, I wrote down, are you doing that for the cameras? It concerned me a little. you talking about laughing the whole time. Is that because of camera? In Bachelor, you have the five attacks. There's values, time, da, 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 et cetera. And I was like, this is the sixth. The fourth wall is the sixth attack because of camera. <laughs> yeah, because of camera. <laughs> and because of camera, I think, can only really exist in newish games. At a certain point, because of camera is just like, obviously, it's all because of camera. You ha you can't even like address it because it's so passe. You know what I mean? Yeah, we don't say because of camera. You can't. Nobody <laughs> is like, you just came on the show to get famous. It's like, yeah, we all fucking did, dude. Like Bachelor just accepts it and you just don't talk about it. That's like, that's the thing you don't say at the dinner table, you know, but still here yeah. in this game that's only three seasons old. I mean, they leave it all in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love it. That's why I'm like, like, yes, I do think there was some fluff yeah. in these episodes, but I, I love this shit. And there's several conversations in this episode that I'm like, you never have that on Bachelor. It really is fascinating to me because I see it just again in those terms of like the first few seasons of our beloved game where shit is raw. These producers are just doing shit. They don't give a fuck. They don't know. They don't know how to give a fuck yet. This is not a solidified game yet. We are going to see iteration after iteration come out. Yeah, they're in their party era. <laughs> yes, they're like, it's a hit show. We're getting renewed. We can do whatever we want. We're spinning it off. There's going to be one in this country and one in this country. And we're doing more seasons every year. It's like expanding. But now they're going to start zeroing in on like, okay, well, what's good? How do we make this better? And eventually there's going to be a super polished version of this in maybe like three to five years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? In three to five years? Well, yeah. I am curious because yeah. like how you fix, especially this particular structural problem is something that Love Island also has is towards the end. It's kind of boring. I kind of fast forward or do a faster speed, especially the finale, because there's just no drama at a certain point. Exactly. And it's like The Bachelor is the exact opposite. The strength of the format of The Bachelor is that game of contrition. It's Survivor. It's American Idol. It's any show where you're like... It's more dramatic at the end. Exactly. Because you built up a, a relationship with these people. They've gotten more screen time. They've been in the game longer, et cetera, et cetera. You're invested in the outcome. Here, there are going to be multiple outcomes, first of all. So I can't be invested in any one of them wholly. I have interest in all of them. And uh, if they don't wind up together, who gives a shit? Because there's all these other people that might, you know, you might have your favorite couple or whatever. But even if like one who's your second favorite winds up together and your favorite doesn't still it's a it's a win. Seems like a success. Yeah, yeah. it's a wash basically in the end. There's no like giant moment they can build to because there's multiple couples. It just doesn't it's never going to have that same kind of like world series super bowl type pop at the end that the bachelor has in my humble opinion yeah unless they like put them back in the pods for the end and like i don't know something to like make them like throw a wrench in the works you know what they should do just hear me out they should just fucking rip off the bachelor and keep the pods in the beginning 
So it's like the first 30 people in the house, the bachelor or bachelorette doesn't get to see them. And that's how they make their choices. And then they go on dates and you're kind of in a bachelor world, but you start dripping in the people they kicked off who are like the hot ones, basically. You know what I mean? Drip them. The forgotten get dripped in. <laughs> yes. The forgotten get to go to the group date after parties, basically, or show up on the group dates. Well, I, yeah, because after they bring in the other people that they dated, which I do think they should bring in the Forgottens, especially if they went far with them, there isn't that. But if you could somehow bake that in or like, maybe it's more group events, more like singles mixer type thing. But you need to be focused on like one person finding a couple or one couple finding happiness or whatever. Having like that many of them at the end is it just like waters the whole thing down. Mm. It like makes each of them less important, basically. And you want all your importance writing into like the finale of a single narrative. Will this person find love? So you want to force more breakups? Something. I don't know. I, but even that, then what am I watching? The one couple is like, do you know, having dances and shit and finding their wedding dresses. I mean, that's Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> no, but Bachelor in Paradise is all stars from the other game. You're already invested in all those characters like to the, through the fucking roof. These are all strangers. I'm sure we'll solve the problem of Love is Blind by the end of this episode, but... They need to bring in all stars. For instance, Andrew, they need to bring him in. Uh, they need to bring in like a few that don't end up with people. Like if Raven or Nancy <laughs> doesn't end up with their person, they need to bring them back. Or Colleen, really. The women are pretty strong this season. Yeah, but then what? They they throw them back in the pods and they have to go through the same thing again? Like, I don't... The pods piece of it is very interesting. Getting to see the people that you rejected uh, without having seen them, that's very interesting. Commingling the couples, very interesting. Then after you get to that point in the game, it starts kind of losing steam, for me anyway. Uh, still fascinating and, and obviously well-produced and everything. But I think they're going to figure out that the end of this. Some some other thing has to happen. They're going to figure it out. They just don't know it yet. If you're saying no to the person, you have to physically run away from them. Like, uh, what's her name did who ended up with Belakai. She did like a runaway bride thing where she like ran into the street. Giannina Gabelli. The mom produces tears... I think you're adorable. Couldn't have chosen a better person. Calling love level four. I love level four. Your son. Mom ITMs. I don't believe it's fake. I believe it's real. Whether she'll break his heart, I don't know. The thought of Matt being blindsided by Colleen scares me. The thought of Colleen being blindsided by Matt scares me. I pray for him to have strength to make that decision. We see two small dogs. One gray, one black. And this small little black dog flopping about, literally frolicking through a field, strutting his stuff, representing this will-they-won't-they they couple was my... <laughs> Creature of the week. Little B-roll pup. Very cute. I made a note of the B-roll Dallas dogs as well. Did not give them my Creature of the Week. But then we go to Cole's apartment. Cruel. Zenob and Cole walk in. She comments on his leopard rug as he tries to hide her eyes to get her to a clean spot in the apartment. He then takes his hands off the eyes and she says, it's very you. It doesn't smell bad. So that's good, at least. 
This is, uh, in my opinion, just another moment the producers are cutting in here to make it seem like this is not a couple that should be together. She ITMs that he lives as she would expect any 26-year-old guy to live. This is not what their home would be like, but this is the man she loves. Uh, she calls his dishwasher small and cute, a mini. She laughs at his bed and then call ITMs that his lease is ending soon and they would get a bigger place. He says he thinks it's funny and ironic that he left uh, his place this messy after they've been talking about cleanliness or at any time. But I mean, that that's stage two, right? Like he knows they're going to come there and shoot. Yeah. Did you notice his ITM framing? The toilet is literally behind him. Yeah. This is all faked, I think. I think this is like a put on. I don't think he left his apartment messy and he's like, oh, shit, I forgot to clean up. Well, I guess you're here now. Let me cover your eyes. This all seems fake to me. Well, this is basically taking the place of his meeting of the family. It's the meeting of the apartment. And he takes takes out the capsule where he says, I store things, but it doesn't seem like he stores things in it. It's what his parents gave to him when he was 25. Pretty sure he has a locket of his baby hair and dirt he played with as a child. And we see there is dirt from Cole's backyard, his footprints as a baby, a picture of him in a basket. And uh, <laughs> it was a sad meeting of the family. <laughs> it's, I gotta say, I, like this is, this capsule is probably real. It's probably real. <gasps> it's probably real. Are you kidding me? This is so specific. The capsule is probably real. I'm saying that. It's probably real. But. You think those are fake baby footprints? <laughs> Listen. Clues. It's either real or it's fake. Are you saying those, they put a doll's feet in paint? What are you saying? It's probably real, but I did notice SK. <laughs> I think it's time we take a trip. Pack your bag, space case. We're going to Conspiracy Town. Population me. This capsule contained some dirt in a Ziploc bag. That dirt can be obtained anywhere that has dirt. I won't argue with that. <laughs> we saw some baby footprints. Anyone can make that. Like you're saying, they could have used a doll's foot or any of the crew members who have a baby could have used their feet to make that. And we saw a bunch of baby pictures. Crew members, baby. Yeah. Okay. Baby pictures in this capsule. We also saw baby pictures on SK's refrigerator of himself. The producers are wanting to get shots of these people as babies into the show. That's something they clearly focus on. Why? <laughs> I don't know. To, to give you this idea that they've grown, I think, that they're adults now. In conspiracy of what? It, the capsule is not real. That's the conspiracy. I believe the capsule might have been made by producers specifically for this scene. I, look, we're in conspiracy town. I'm not saying it's real. I'm saying, in fact, probably it's not, but it might be. That's what a conspiracy is. It might be. It might be. That's what a conspiracy Just ask yourself, is it possible? I just, the conspiracy is where you throw it out uh -huh. there. You know, that's making a conspiracy. <laughs> look, do I think the producers maybe went through it? Maybe were like, actually, this is too creepy. Like your old, your baby teeth. Let's not put that in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think they probably were like, here's a few things you should focus on. Do I think the capsule 
is entirely fake and that bucket was gotten by a producer. No, I think it's the same as the knives. I think these things are too detailed and bizarre to be faked. But I've been tricked again. I've been tricked before. Uh, Cole's parents aren't coming to his wedding. Do you think that's an action someone who made and delivered a capsule would do? You make a capsule, but you don't attend the wedding? That doesn't add up to me. You make the capsule, but there's a bunch of other religious things in it. You're very religious. Mm -hmm. Picture. You think your son is is at 25. It's like a time lapse thing. I mean, it's just too specific. And and it's kind of a PTC here. He's like, I was going through my divorce and they gave it to me. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. All right. Maybe it's real. Probably is real. I said probably is real. And I believe that. I'm like 10%. Maybe the producers did it. I'm also like, his apartment being dirty is real too. I don't understand why you think. It just seems like if you know a reality show is going to be shooting in your apartment, wouldn't you at least make the bed? You would go buy a leopard rug. You would go make a fake baby capsule, (laughs) buy a doll and a bucket of paint. That's what you do. (laughs) I just got cast on this reality show. It's time to get a leopard rug, make a fake baby capsule and unmake my bed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm dying. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) So they basically discuss his parents loving him deep down. uh, But what's going on with the show has them in fear. They can't get over how, how different it is and that they didn't get to meet her before the engagement. And he wants them to meet her, see them together, and then they'll see how much they love each other. He's not asking them to be on camera. He just wants them to meet her. But now... They're just sending him Bible verses, he says. That capsule had some Bible stuff in it. Yeah, it probably did. First Bible, first uh, communion, all that, if they're Catholic. He says he thought a relationship with Jesus was supposed to make uh, people love each other more and not become more entitled and more entrenched in your way of thinking of how things should be. I thought that was a very interesting thing to say and that they put it in the fucking show. Fascinating. This whole part, I was like, Holy shit, we would never see anything like this on The Bachelor. Like, that, just this phrase, isn't it supposed to make you love people deeper, not become more religious and more entitled and self-righteous? Like, I'm trying to imagine if someone said something like that on The Bachelor. I can't imagine it, and that is why this analysis of what true Christianity should be by Cole was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Never going to see anything like this in our beloved game. It's fascinating that he said it. It's fascinating that they put it in here. And I absolutely loved it. Generally speaking, at least in our beloved game, the only Christian play you really see are opening invocation by Matt James in season 25, hand holding around a table, uh, praying to Christ, and you did see, of course, one iconic play by the greatest Instagram player of all time, Hannah Brown. I did have sex, and Jesus still loves me. I thought you were going to say Luke Parker in in the church. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that was that was Christian uh, play as well. But uh, you very rarely see something like this, and I thank Cole for this incredible play, outstanding. And I think. Uh, when you look back on these early seasons of Love is Blind, you're going to remember it for these types of things. I hope that they keep doing this 
type of stuff, having abortion conversations, conversations about religion. I'd love to see a political conversation come out of this show, which I think is in their wheelhouse. Um, very curious to see where it goes, but I just thought that this was like in the kind of the pantheon of plays from this game that are unlike Bachelor, where they are allowed to talk about real subjects. They're fantastic, and this is one of my favorites. We see Zeneb also invoke her faith. She has faith and hope that they'll change in three weeks and would be open at least to talk off. Not on, what was the phrase? Not on camera. But she's sad that her, that they won't be at the wedding. And he says, well, it's sad if they miss our wedding day, but, you, and I used to think it would be, super important to have the blessing, but why would that be a deal breaker? Why would I stop a conviction of my own to be with you with or without? And they hold hands. So it seems like he's still going to get married. Even without the the blessing, but it also sets up the narrative that he's looking for that blessing. Will it come later? Probably. Mm, but spoiler alert. You watched it happen. Spoiler alert. I don't know if he gets the blessing. It happened in the next episode. They have a conversation about it. We'll get to it. I mean, I wouldn't consider that a blessing. Why not? We'll talk to her once you're already married. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Then we cut to Nancy and Bartise. They're getting drinks uh, ready for his family to show up. Bartise ITMs that it's a big day. He wants Nancy to get his family's approval. So it's smooth sailing into the wedding. The family shows up. We're looking at Amalia, Bartise's sister, Penny, his mom, and Robert, his dad. They all check out her sparkler. Mom thinks the pods are amazing. Sister asks how they know it's really love. Bartise says... He's never connected with anyone the way he did with Nancy in the pod. He's grown as a man. And his sister says she can see it. He says grown ass man. Oh, does he? Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that. Grown ass man. Oh, that's a bachelor, definite bachelor reference. And then his sister says she can see the growth. This is a growth glow or a grow glow. Or growls. <laughs> Bartiz then says that they have uh, felt perfect as a couple. Nancy humorously objects to that, gets a big laugh from his sister. Nancy tells them that she is not what he would be looking for normally. Bartiz's sister reminds her that she's hot in her own right. And she says, oh, yeah. Uh, Bartiz says she got proposed to before me. Nancy tells him that she prides herself on being debt-free, growing her real estate portfolio. And Bartiz is talking about uh, the thing that he's working through in their conversation is about abortion. He brings his family into the prior conversation they had about abortion. Now, this is astounding. I don't know if this was um, a producer thing or not. If the producers told him, you know, try to bring up the abortion thing with your family or if he just did it because maybe he really doesn't want his family to have the conversation with her so that everybody can be on the same page. I don't know. But again, this is that type of shit that I'm talking about. You don't see this in other reality shows. I don't know. <laughs> no, this completely like even more rare i would say than what i would guess cole was talking about earlier because this is just like it's such a contentious i mean it's not actually a contentious in terms of like a, most people support abortion but but to even have somebody like nancy with the opinion that she has about it like you'll never see that in the bachelor plenty of players have that opinion yeah or or uh pro-choice no i know They've never talked about it once. You'll just never see it represented. And here, it's both sides of the conversation represented. It's it's a, it's just like fascinating television. I mean, it's one of the it's one of my favorite parts of this season so far. Absolutely, me too. And it's also very nuanced. Like Nancy, they're talking about the 
Bertie's is like, if they're going to have a disability, would we keep the kid? I was like, why not? And your answer is the opposite. The sister produces tears immediately. She says children are blessings. Oh my gosh. At the, I wrote, at this point, I'm picturing clues uh, bringing someone home from Love is Blind to meet the two-star patriots of the necessary conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What a nightmare. Nancy has to re-explain her stance again to Bartiz's family. The same explanation uh, she gave to Bartiz, working with children, seeing how disabilities can destroy a family has made her formulate her opinion on this matter. She ITMs that this topic worries her. She knows a lot of people don't understand her stance, and she was sad to see Bartiz's sister cry, but she hoped that ultimately the family could come to some understanding about it. And Bartisa's mom says they feel strongly about it, but she understands where Nancy is coming from. She says she knows that marriage is about talking through the issues. Bartisa's is ITMing that he wants his family's blessing, but he knows uh, Nancy better than they do, and it's on him to make the ultimate decision. Bartisa's dad says she hopes it works out, or he hopes it works out for him, and he likes Nancy. She's a good person. Is that a blessing? I counted it as a blessing. Okay, I hope things work out for you. Blessing. All right, I'll go that that route as well. We see the Chiron 12 days to wedding. I love how they're counting it down for what I said about the lack of drama. It is kind of like yeah. counting down to a space launch. But the countdowns are like, it's boring. The numbers are too fucking high. It like starts at 15 days until wedding and shit. I'm like, okay, whatever. It, it doesn't like, it's not building to anything. That number getting smaller is like virtually meaningless narratively. They're missing some things. Like there's there's points here where they can ratchet it up and they're just not doing it. They're kind of letting these relationships play out by they're obviously prodding the conversations, but I don't know. There's something missing here. We will figure it out. We will figure it out by the end of this episode, this three hour episode. <laughs> we cut to Raven and SK. SK is like, oh, you think they're gonna dr- grill me? Raven says, like a stick on the Barbie. Manusha, Manusha alarm. I just like Raven's colorful narration. I think she's maybe she's one of the best players this season. We have the meeting of the family, Raven and SK. It's going to be two best friends of Raven. Uh, they ask SK, is Raven the one? He says, I always told her I like she's deep, not surface level. And they're like, you're not Raven's ideal man. I pictured taller, athletic, not Nigerian. And the friend is like, I heard very traditionally a Nigerian's very Nigerian women. Raven is here and a traditional Nigerian woman is over here, like referencing that they're on either end of the spectrum. Eight meals when you get home and clothes folded. She won't be home by the time you get home. She's a career driven woman. And SK says, I think we're a match made in heaven. I want my partner to be equal, a go-getter. I really like that. So he counters this values attack and like lifestyle attack pretty well, I thought. And then SK's like, and I want to raise the kids to be... Like, oh, I want to be like mom, career driven. And this raising of the four TRR, like values, attack, counter, defense by SK was my. Play, 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 play of the game. He's a stellar player. He's playing. In Raven, I think she's a very good player also, and he's kind of matching what she's doing. It's not that they're vying for any kind of dominance in the relationship. He's playing the exact counter to her game, and it's working brilliantly for both of them, I think. Really a 
an interesting thing to see. And I agree with you that line about like, I want to raise our kids to be like her. That got the friends. He won them over immediately. Yes, exactly. The friends bring up how she's half white, half black. And Raven says, I was raised inside of white culture from the dirty, dirty South. My family is white. There's cultural and political ramifications. I'm like, okay, I want to hear more about this. (laughs) But she's scared to tell people that. On the flip side, uh, she didn't know much about Nigerian culture, like that they have a bread brand and grocery stores. And that she has some food limitations. <laughs> and SK is like, I'm a big cook. He just has like... Yeah, he's like, I got that covered. Yeah, energy god. Energy god status. <laughs> and they ask what SK wants to achieve. And he says, well, it's time for me to settle down and start a family. But I'm going to grad school in the fall at Berkeley, this two-year program. They're like, at least you're smart. And... They're like, how is long distance going to work? Who's going to... And they say, we're working through the details. How many homes? Who's going to pay for these houses? SK is just like, I'm pretty secure financially. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of us. And they they accuse him of robbing their friend of a fairy tale if in the first couple of years they're flying back and forth, feel like it's not going to work. And SK is like, ooh, can we get some AC? The seat is hot. He's still doing colorful narration, even in the hot seat. <laughs> no, he's great. And then this uh, whole thing ends with McColl and Aaliyah, both of Raven's friends, ITMing that they don't think it's going to work. Long distance is too much. Raven is beautiful. And he's just saying yes to everything. She's never been in a committed relationship. <laughs> and they think he's going to get his heart broken. This is the last we hear from them until they're at a wedding dress shop with Raven. <laughs> That shit I love. Then we cut to some cows and some chickens on a farm. And Brennan is walking with Alexa up to this farmhouse. And Brennan asks her, do you like those longhorns over there? And we cut to two longhorn cattle refusing to strut their stuff in the Texas heat. Instead, opting to find sweet relief from that Texas sun under the shade of a tree. And these longhorns were my... Creature of the week. Longhorn is the symbol of Texas. This is Dallas. This is the fucking source. Oh. UT Longhorns, University of Texas Longhorns. That's their fucking mascot. Game of Roses is sponsored by Better Help. Clues. Uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills, you know, the... The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off season. It mm. is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank true. Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced, King Quinces, Okay, they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist. And you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Mm. And UT describes all of Texas? Yeah, UT's like the biggest state school there, for sure. It's kind of like, at least in terms of a university. The symbol of Texas. Absolutely. And that cow is as well, the Longhorn. So congrats, Longhorns. You were my creature of the week. Hmm. I don't know if it's little black uh, B-roll pup, but sure. (laughs) No, I like the symbolism. Uh, We do see those Longhorns out there. We hear a knock. It's Tony, Brennan's stepdad, Rhonda, Brennan's mom, Hayden in a cowboy hat, and his wife, Regan. They lahi him to life, and Alexa teaches them how to do this. Cheers. Uh, mom, Rhonda, is wearing a hat, too. I'm wearing a hat in honor of how many hats were in this episode. There were a lot. We haven't even gotten to the most the hat 
Hat Brothers. They tour around this garden. Brennan jokes about Alexa being the city girl. She's allergic to chickens and gardens. Uh, Stepdad asks Brennan if it's for real. And he says, I knew I was in love day five. I tend to stop things early, but if I had to do it 300 times over, I would pick her. Everything about this is so real. We cut to one-on-one between Alexa and Rhonda Brennan's mom. And she says on their first date, they didn't kiss goodbye. So basically, this is the same thing that Alexa and Brennan did by talking in the pods, not allowed to see each other. And then she asks, how did you feel when, how did you feel? And she says, oh, when I saw him, and she's like, no, the moment you kissed him. Do you think that uh, your mom would ask your potential suitors that? (laughs) You know, until you just asked me, I hadn't even thought of that. (laughs) The possibility of that never crossed my mind. Um, no, I don't believe that conversation would ever take place in my exact family. But here it does. That's an odd question. <laughs> yes, I agree. That's what I'm saying. The producers are forcing the hands, I think, in all these conversations to some degree. I don't know if they gave her that exact question or not, but uh, I, I don't know. I agree. It is an odd question, but here it is. And Alexa tells her that... She felt at peace. She saw forever in him. He's the sweetest human being she's ever met. He has a heart she's never seen in anyone before. And his mom says, life is about the goals she set. And she asks about the goals for the next five years. That's a producer question. Alexa says she wants to be parents. No, I, I've seen my mom ask this at a dinner table before. Okay. Maybe that was the only real one. That Fair enough. That's a real mom play. <laughs> <laughs> An RMP has occurred here her pace cases analysis based on personal experience. She explains that uh, Brennan's dad was in the hospital for six days and he couldn't come because he runs and gets scared, scared of things. He loves deeper than deep, but he gets scared. And this is the end to that hometown. So they're trying to hang it on a, oh shit, he might run away. No blessing, no resolution. We then get Nancy and Bartise in their place. Bartise is on the computer. He ITMs that things have been off between uh, he and Nancy And his sister's skepticism of the whole thing isn't helping. The physical attraction isn't really there for him anymore. He's second-guessing himself. He doesn't want to fake it. He's trying, but the problem persists. Nancy ITMs. She has sent something is off too. Tear play here. By the way, a song plays during this with the lyric, this might be toxic. (laughs) All the lyrics are like usually very on-the-nose references to whatever's going on emotionally in the scene. But I love it. These songs with lyrics, I think, work very well. They're much better than Bachelor score. I agree. I think Lil Nas should do all of the songs for Bachelor. You know, that would be so fucking cool if The Bachelor got anyone, any artist. I mean, I think Lil Nas is probably above doing this, but uh, any artist who would want to, to do the whole season. Get like a Trent Reznor to score a full season of Bachelor. Fuck, that would be awesome. Anyways, Nancy says that uh, he would give her 10 forehead kisses in a day. Now it's down to one or two. The decline in forehead kisses is a problem. (laughs) Counting forehead kisses. Counting kisses we've seen before. And she asked for a hug and he joked that she was needy. Genevieve. I remember that. And uh, she feels like she knows who she is and she's going to keep being the person she is. She wants him to love her as much as she loves him. She leaves their place. He doesn't even acknowledge that she's walking out the door as he keeps working on his spreadsheets. And we see on the screen 11 days until weddings. The couples are back together at the bar. They're all commingling again. The booze is flowing. Um, They initially split into genders and have these conversations among their genders. 
Zenob tells the other women <laughs> that Malibu was very hard because Cole's attracted to Colleen. Colleen seems surprised by this. And then Colleen tells them uh, what happened in that conversation that Cole told her at this pool party um, and she didn't know what to say. She admits telling him that she told Cole was attractive, told him that he was attractive. When she told Matt about it, they were almost over. So she divulges all the stuff that's been going on as a result of that initial pool party. And then Zeneb says, I feel like you played it right. That was interesting open gameplay speech coming from her in this very dramatic moment. And then they say these men are boys. And Zeneb ITMs that she and Matt were on the receiving end of this incident. And then we see them discussing the pool party. They compare stories about the conversation between Cole and Matt, or between Cole and uh, Colleen. And Matt adds to the story that, in quotes, whatever happens, happen, whatever happens, uh, would have happened in the real world stays there, or whatever they said. Some kind of amendment there he adds on. And Zenob tells Matt that this has been such a hit on her self-esteem. She ITMs that she got really, uh, she reheated the whole thing thinking about it. And they are about to get married. There is no extra time for disrespect. Matt tells Zenob she shouldn't settle for less. He tells her she's beautiful. We see more drinks. And then Brennan and Alexa get a little kiss. And then uh, Valerie, Kim, and Andrew show up. These are the forgotten. Andrew, I don't think Andrew's a forgotten. I think he was in the game. He's in my forgottens. <laughs> Valerie and Kim are definitely uh, among the forgotten. And we hear people say it's, it's important to have them come back because we went through the same experience together. And we see Bartice asking Andrew how it went when... Uh, he proposed to Nancy the first time and all the guys are standing around and he kind of jokes about how she told him to go fuck himself. But he says, uh, no, really, she told me we would be cool for a while, but in long term, it wouldn't work out. And then so we see this scene, right? Mm -hmm. Andrew and Bartista are like, they're all just drunk friends, dudes hanging out, no sweat off anybody's back. That seemed very real to me. You think asking about the proposal is friends no but their their emotional reactions to like laughing at it and just being like whatever dude that's how i think they mm. truly feel about it and so then andrew comes to steal nancy this felt very producer uh driven to me and now we've got andrew and nancy talking together the this is a whole made-up scripted conversation where he's asking uh if she's thought about them at all he loved her god damn it they start laughing she asked, uh, did you though? And he tells her he has no regrets. He felt like he could love her. So he proposed to her and it didn't work out. But does she have any regrets? And this is, they're like literally audibly laughing through this conversation. And Nancy's like, she's like, I don't regret saying no to you. And she insults his intelligence and laughs <clears throat> and uh, says that her decision was the right one. She says, Bartice is fading, but her, but Bartice's physical attraction from her is fading. He wants a tall blonde fitness model. Nancy produces tears. She says it sucks that the person she loves doesn't love her as much as she loves him. This is a person who made a promise and proposed to her. And she wonders what the fuck is here? Uh, what the fuck is he here for? And Andrew tells her it'll be okay. And if she ever needs anything, he's there. I think this is all producer manufacturing. I did like how Nancy is kind of setting herself up for a victim edit here. Uh, you know, producing tears. It seems very for TRR. And then we see Bartiz comes over, like saying hello in kind of a, a clowny voice. Yeah. And he's like, why are you smiling so much? And they're like vague about it. And he's like, is there something I should have to be worried about? I never thought I'd feel defensive, but I do feel it here. And Nancy's like, no, we're just talking. 
Bartista's like, unless she tells me not to be worried, I will. She kisses him. And he's like, okay, I'm not going to be worried. And he leaves. And it just says, it is what it is. That felt fake to me too. That felt like a producer thing, like sending Bartista in. Once they have, I mean, all these people are fucking shit hammered. Yes. I think that also adds to the laughing. Totally. If Bartista, he's fucking sitting there, he's drinking with his boys. And a producer's like, all right, Bartista, look, he's been talking to Nancy for like fucking hour, dude. You should go over there and just like see what's up. Just go, you know, see what's up. You got to be honest. You're getting married in 11 days or whatever. You got to have that conversation. Go on. All right. Then he goes over and does this and like, it's nothing. It's just nothing. We see this conversation between Colleen and Matt. Matt is saying the entire conversation with Cole continues to mess with him. Colleen says it was innocent. He says, it's hard to get over when you're supposed to marry someone. I don't want to get played. Uh, I don't mean to throw this on you. Please say something to bring me back to life. And Colleen is like, I feel like you're picking apart little things. Are you kidding me? I poured my heart and soul out to you yesterday and you're going to do this to me. We cut back to <laughs> Bartise and Alexa. And Bartise is like, what are y'all getting into? Alexa says, we have a lot of sex. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, they just fucking threw that one in there. They're building up these weird dramatic moments that are all, again, related to an incident we already saw conclude. We already saw the producers try to fuck these couples up by having uh, Colleen and Cole have that conversation and then have it spin out into their significant others being pissed and jealous and whatever, whatever. We already saw that happen and we saw those couples overcome that. They're simply trying to redo the exact same thing at this fucking party. And right in the middle of it, they just throw in this weird thing about Alexa saying how she likes to be thrown around during sex. It completely lets the steam out of the drama they're building. It's so bizarre. I don't know. It's like, it's like, I feel like it's like they're trying to be like, oh yeah, remember Alexa and Brennan there? They have no problems. Like they're just whatever. We cut to Cole and Zenob. Zenob is like, I just talked to Matt. I know what you said to Khalid. He's like, I have no feelings for Khalid. She's like, I don't care. You've affected my self-esteem. I hate being this couple. He says, we're right back in Malibu. Malibu is the dark times. And uh, he's really upset about one comment. I could have lied about it. <laughs> talked about this extensively. There's zero emotional connection. You and I are 11 out of 10. Uh, another girl more my type, but I proposed to a girl named Zenob versus the girls I've dated in the past named Lily. Lily's out there catching some strays. <laughs> Zenob loves that display. <laughs> She's like, I love that display. And he's like, what? My emotions are displayed to you? So this comes off as offensive to Cole. And she has a good sense of where he's at. It doesn't negate the conversation she had with Matt. She gets that Colleen is a knockout. Zenob says she'll never look like her, but that's fine. Cole says he's more attracted to her now because he's gotten to know her. And Zenob maintains that she and Matt were on the receiving end of what he thought was appropriate to say. Zenob then says she's on team Matt and Cole correctly understands she now views him as a bad guy. He's like, oh, so I'm the bad guy now? Yes. He tells her to go marry <laughs> Matt. She tells him to go marry Colleen. And Cole says, so Colleen and I are the bad ones. We should just swap fiancés. And he is maybe giving the producers some kind of an idea that at this phase of the game, Maybe you can switch fiancés if you want to. There should be a formal moment where you get to make one last decision at this point, I think. That would build some drama in this uh, phase of the game that they don't have. 
there in groups of four. The big switch. <laughs> yeah, you make it an even number or something. Or no, maybe not even an even number. It's just like, you should make all the players, like they rank them, as they said, you were my number two, you were my number whatever. Make sure everybody's, the most one, twos, and threes get to that couple phase as you can and then give them the opportunity to switch if they want. Sounds sexy. I'm just saying. But then Cole and Matt talk. They squash the beef. Uh, they basically sit. Cole tells him like it wasn't her fault. It was all me. And it seems like everything goes there very well. And then we see that night. Nancy and Bartice in their place. Nancy tells him he was weird on the way home. He says the conversation with Andrew worried him. Nancy maintains she definitely does not want Andrew, but did get emotional with him. She explains that she told Andrew that they are struggling. She told Andrew about her relationship with Bartice. And she says it hurts that she loves him but he doesn't love her for who she is. Bartiz says, um, looks fucking matter. And Nancy says, it feels like a betrayal. To So stick to your type. See where that gets you. It hasn't gotten you anywhere so far. Bartiz says, the physical shit leads to the other problems, like the ex with the uh, real estate stuff that she didn't tell him about. Giving a giving a line like, looks do fucking matter. That was, that was maybe one of my errors. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whether it's true or not, or or how much you put into how physically attracted you are, how much of a component of a relationship that plays to you, it certainly isn't something you want to be saying out loud, drunken. Screaming on love is blind. <laughs> right. W when the person that you're supposedly going to marry in like a couple of weeks is also drunk, about to cry right in front of you. Nonetheless, this is the conversation they have. And ultimately... Um, we end on this note of Bartice wondering how he can move forward when there are things every day sending him back, like the abortion conversation. He wants to be reminded where he was in the pods. He's trying to be open-minded, but wonders what's coming next before the wedding. His phone rings. It's Matt. <laughs> Matt <laughs> says on the phone, where the fuck is Colleen? And Nancy's like, oh, well, we went to the club. He says, more important than coming back to her boy. And Nancy realizes that Matt is extremely upset by this information and makes this grimace that Matt can't see because he's on speakerphone, which was my face play of the game. It's so good. It's a, it's a wonderful grimace, and Matt ha takes a turn so fast, and she's just dramatically saying that with her face, and that's all you want. You make that face at that pivotal moment. Fantastic face play, but essentially what happens is Bartice goes over to Matt's place. This is all producer done, by the way. If Matt is really pissed and he's packing his bags, why the fuck is he calling Bartice? The producers are like, dude, you should call Bartice. He's right down the hall. He can come talk to you. He was trying to find her. Is is she with you, Bartice? Like, why is he calling Bartice? He would just ask the producers. And the producers are like, I don't know. You better call Bartice. The producers know. Wait, you think this is fake? He wasn't doing a make me stay? <sighs> I've read certain things, I'll say, about this season that lead me to believe. And I would have thought this anyway. This is only corroboration of something I thought while watching it. The producers manufactured this whole event. They took the women and said, let's go to this this club. It'll be a fun girls night out. Like the producers made it seem like this was just the next part of the show. I don't have proof of that. It's just something that I read that is like a pretty widely held uh, belief. So they're doing something right here with the producing. Nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, they 
they've got, they've gone to kidnapping. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, they're getting there. They're, season four is going to be better. We need some drama, guys. We're making. We got to make good TV. <laughs> but essentially, we uh, end with this scene. Uh, between Matt and Bartise, where Bartise is essentially saying, like, dude, you have no problems in your relationship. I wish I had the relationship you have. And Matt is like, no, fuck it. She should be here. I don't want to be with a girl who's going to be out till 2 a.m. And we have a sinister song kind of kick in. And Matt says, this shit right here is the real world. It's a Wednesday at 2.30 in the morning. She's nowhere to be found. Right now, there's no way I can marry this woman. He slams the door and we cliffhang into the second episode that we now have to recap. Episode 8. It's a good cliffhanger. Fuck. Yeah, it was. (laughs) 10 days till weddings. Colleen in the ballet studio, kind of like her therapy. We meet Nicolita, Colleen's ballet coach. Colleen ITM's about, oh, I saw the bags. Something so dumb makes him want to run. Hang on one second. This beautiful scene that is given to Colleen all by herself, where she is ITMing about how difficult the night was and how they got through it, intercut with her doing a beautiful ballet dance, gave to us her ballet teacher, Coach Nicolina. And Coach Nicolina, who gave some advice about how to maintain the shape of her collarbone while she was doing a maneuver, was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Love to see this. This was a very special, unique little thing. Let's see what she can do. Let's see this thing. You're a ballet dancer. Let's fucking see it. This is what we never get in Bachelor unless you're a fucking athlete, football player, basketball player. You played some kind of collegiate sport. They might let you do that, but they don't do this shit. What do you mean? We Yes, we have. We've seen dancing. Tenley. Tenley Molzan did a dance for Drake Pavelka. You're right. All right. Well, we haven't seen it in a long time. And I love this. <laughs> so uh, Colleen's ballet coach was my Jorge Moreno. Love it. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines, and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix, just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 
15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... Um body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare sweaters candles the dreaded bathrobe unfortunately mother's day gifts can be a little predictable and boring that's why an aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things. (laughs) <laughs> and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. We see Nancy and Bartice at home. They're on phones in separate rooms. Bartice ITMs, he's overwhelmed between the ex-boyfriend thing, the abortion. It's requiring so much energy. He doesn't want to jump her bones. There's, but there's shit more important than sex. I know I love that girl. And she sits next to him on the couch, says that she cried last night, and she's supposed to trust him for this emotional connection, and it changed his her image of him, how he was acting. And he says, I'm not asking you to change. And she says, you know, you live life, you increase your tolerance and level of understanding for the world and people. And last night, that was some immature shit to say. And he says, well, I was feeling this lack of physical connection. I'm here for you, here for us. We can lead to greatness. Uh, Sorry you're wounded because of me, but let's figure it out. She says, I still love you. I still love you. Love level four is all around kissing. We cut to Raven and SK's house. Raven gives SK some cleaning supplies. She says, I'm over everyone's drama. 
you made a noise at the cleaning supplies. <laughs> I know. Because I just remember seeing it and it was like, they're so fucking funny, both of them together. They're cleaning around. They're talking about talking shit on the other couples. Yeah. They have all the drama. We're a perfect couple. Raven reveals that Alexa said she thought she would make the worst wife. <laughs> and this make makes Raven wonder if there's something wrong with her. SK says, just because you don't conform to their definition of a wife doesn't mean there's anything wrong. The most important thing is finding a guy on your level, which is me. That's why you didn't have a connection with the other guys. And Raven's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not conventional and you're what I need. And this whole scene where they're just basically reconfirming, yes, we are the right match and these other people fucking suck, culminates in Raven saying she's not good at sitting at home worrying about her neighbor's gardens and then realizes the irony of that statement as she herself is putting together a floral arrangement. And as she comes to this realization, her eyes open to full aperture, her tongue comes out of her mouth just a little bit in a facial expression designed to reveal the comedic absurdity of the situation. And this was my face play of the game. She is giving great face play all season long. This one astounded me. Blew me out of the water. It's not even a, a good situation necessarily to do it in. She just takes something out of nothing and turns it into one of the best face plays we've seen all season, in my humble opinion. I gotta say, Clue showed me the picture of this face play and I couldn't believe it. I missed it. And it's strong. <laughs> you didn't see it? I didn't see it. It was strong. You know, you've been taking pictures of the screen for years and now it's starting to pay off. <laughs> you know the gems. <laughs> they make out. We cut to Zeneb and Cole date night. Cole crangles some flowers, says, sorry, I'm the worst sometimes and I hurt you. Uh, I should be making you feel like the only girl in the world. I asked you to marry me, then I messed up. I love you. So sorry. And she says, thank you. I'm happily engaged to you. And he asks the bartender, do you guys have cheesecake? And this relatable hero steps up. The bartender says, you're going to love it. It's my favorite dish. And this bartender then comes back and says, it's real cheesecake, which they then do food play to each other with. And this bartender was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. He really, really got in his moment. He came up with a line when he's going to come back. He's like, I'm going to get two-part yeah. scene. And he did. We see Zenob says, I've only told two men I love you in 31 years. I love your heart. And Cole says, we're getting married in less than two weeks. And seems like things are going well. Cole says, can we speed this thing up? Kiss. So they basically have, you know, whatever problems they were having seem to have been put by the wayside. And we're now just going to enter a a series of kind of friend hometowns and other hometowns uh, that just corroborate, yes, they all made the right decision. Yes, they are all now ready for marriage. And this is where it starts lagging for me. This is where it's like, what am I watching? I don't really give a shit. There's no drama here. Nonetheless, we see Alexa and Brennan meet up with her friends, which she calls her girls and her gays. She describes them as super loud and blunt, and they're going to be around constantly. So she wants Brennan to like them. <laughs> Brennan shows up. 
a little kiss. We see uh, some of her friends ITM that they were shocked when he showed up. They're going to be around constantly. Sounds like an SNL line. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like Jesus. Uh, but uh, two of her friends say they thought he was a camera guy. Doesn't look like Alexis type. And then we get the standard attacks. What was the experience like in the pods? Why did they like each other? Uh, Leroy asks if he's ready. Alexa asks if he... Alexa asks if he'll say no if there's something he doesn't like. Or Alex asks that. Sorry, not Alexa. And then Brennan says he would never say no at this point. He wouldn't have proposed if he wasn't ready to say I do. So seems like this is a blessing-ish. We don't get any formal blessing or anything, but it doesn't seem like anybody has any real objection, which again, there's no drama here. Colleen and Matt then have a dinner party ready to meet some of his friends. Colleen ITMs that she knows Matt has had a hard past regarding his PTC, and she is curious if he's ready to jump into a serious relationship because she wouldn't blame him if he wasn't. In walk, two guys who basically look exactly like Matt they are both wearing backwards baseball caps. These are Reed and Taylor. The backwards hat bros. I don't think they're actually brothers, but... I will just say they are very Dallas. As somebody who grew up in the source, spent a long time in the source, they're very much source. These are source boys, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> in what ways are they source boys? <laughs> There's just something about them. There's just something about them. You know a source boy when you see one. And those guys are fucking swords boys. Is it the backwards hat? Where the hat is more style than function? Except to keep your head a little warm. I mean, that's a that's a part of it. The backwards hat is a part of it. It's like a little bit country or something. I don't know exactly how to explain it. They just, they got it. You can just see the source on them. Source boys. They got it. The source, bo- <laughs> the source boys talk about... Uh, how Matt's walls are down, you know, that's, is that source boys to you? You're talking about emotional walls? No, that's the producers being like, we got two source boys here. Let's use them to talk about walls. And they know that he knows what he is looking for. He says it's real. He ITMs. He met his ex at 15, knew everything about him, got pregnant with the guy, but he already knew it and everything sunk. And that was the last time we heard from her. It does change you. Dot, dot, dot. Colleen tells the friends they have their issues. A little hiccup about the group going to a club. We FaceTimed you. You don't remember. See, this leads me to believe he was just blackout drunk and they had told him. Or maybe this is a cover. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) The next morning, she's like, listen, I have to tell you something. You were blacked out drunk last night. Okay. Do you think that's how she solved the problem? I'll buy it. I don't know. You think that's a producer fed line? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I know I've just read things. And again, I'm not saying that they're true necessarily, but I've read them. (laughs) Oh, right, right. I keep forgetting that you have more knowledge than me. And that's like, I don't know how much of that you ever want to get into. I mean, there's some other shit that doesn't really affect. Like that was something about the game of this, you know, there's some other shit that doesn't. I just don't want spoilers. Okay. I'll, I'll say no more. We can continue on here. I think we're good. I don't have any other shit. The friend says that he is for TRR, emotional in a good way. Are you going to say yes? She says, massively in love with this guy. Love level four. We cut to a series of wedding dress shopping. First, we start with SK's family friend, Queen, and mom, Aid, and they are looking for a Galley? And we also see on the screen eight days till weddings. See, you didn't even catch that because who cares? No one gives a shit. 
The numbers are going down and no one fucking cares. Also, though, I will say at the end of Matt and Colleen's thing, it was interesting. One of his Matt's friends, I believe it was Tyler, demanded a precog. He was like, are you going to say yes or what? And Colleen didn't answer it. She's like, every relationship has its own pace. <laughs> right. She didn't answer, or she didn't answer it on camera. Raven loves the the headdress look. feels like Cardi B. and But she wants to have this wedding dress be a not Nigerian tradition. And the friend says, make sure you have always have food in the house. Rice oh, and God. stew. And the mom says, men are like babies. And Raven almost got another fucking face play out of me for this. When they tell her, "Give me, let me give you some advice. You got to have uh, stew always cooking and be subservient to the man or be or humble yourself. You have to humble yourself. Let him be the man. The face mm-hmm. she fucking shoots back at them when they say this is <laughs> unfucking real. It, it only slightly got edged out by the other face to be because of the uh, the tongue sticking out. Uh, yeah, the, the, the they love the uh, the weaponized incompetence of the of the husbands that they needed they need to be treated like babies. And they say, be respectful of the family name when you're gal. Don't be gallivanting across Dallas. Ooh, don't be talking to any of those source boys out there. <laughs> you will cause drama that can distract him from providing for the food, home, and kids. Humble yourself. I think after humble yourself, Raven says, oh, my God. <laughs> And then we cut to Nancy Bartiste. They're taking dance lessons with the salsa instructor. And it seems like they're in a good place now. They're discussing like how they're going to dance at their wedding. So I guess they're past all of their issues. Uh, Nancy, producer Forrest, asked him how he feels about being married in eight days. And he says they've made all this progress, had their big arguments. They still have eight days to make even more progress. And he's realizing like marriages take work, basically. And uh, he wants to make her happy for a long time. She appreciates that. Uh, that he leaves his mind and heart open. They give a kiss here. They dance a little more. And then we go to Cole and Zenob. They are on a fucking bridge. <laughs> Cole ITMs <sighs> that Zenob gave him this lock that they can use to leave their mark or their fingerprint anywhere they go. And he kind of alludes to a plan she has to go to these various lock bridges around the world and put locks on them that have their uh, names on it. And so he pulls out this lock. They're standing on this bridge. Zenob writes to Podlove on the lock, gives it to Cole, who then tries to put it on the thing and accidentally drops it into the little stream below the thing. And she can't believe it. And then he pulls another lock out of his pocket and goes, haha, this is the real lock. That was a joke. And this dropping of the lock for no reason other than to piss her off was my... Error, 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 error of the game. What in the fuck? Is this a producer idea? Why would you ever do this? Cole dropping the lock to try to stress out this woman who already seems riddled with anxiety as part of some sort of prank was also my... Error, 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 error of the game. Just just let her have her sweet lock moment without just <laughs> shitting all over it. I know. I know. It was fucking incredible. 
And but then conspiracy town, I start thinking like the producers have manufactured all of this. They gave her the lock idea, and then they gave him the idea to drop it in the lake. You think that was her their idea? <gasps> oh my god. You think they gave them both those ideas? That's sinister. I don't know. You know, like I don't know that little bridge specifically, but if Zeneb has spent a lot of time in Dallas, maybe it was something she grew up with. Maybe it was something she fantasized about being able to do one day, put her lock on that bridge. I don't know. But um, my real conspiracy town went so far as to go like, is there even a fucking lock bridge? Did they just put a bunch of locks on a bridge and make this shit up? Because <sighs> you can do that. Bachelor does that when they make those little fake signs that like you're at the kissing rock or whatever. Oh, yeah. That was a real conspiracy town. That was fake. I don't know how far these producers will go. <sighs> well, we may never know. But uh, they still love level four. Cole loves that she's in his favorite overalls. And they kiss. We get this close up of the real lock. And then they sit down and, and Cole reveals that he talked to his parents and, and they want to meet Zenob after they're married. They're okay with meeting after the wedding. He would rather have them there. But this is better than nothing. And he says that this is a form of a blessing. So I think we have to give that a blessing. He says it. Okay, fine. And then they reaffirm their level of a four for each other. We get a kiss. And uh, now we got seven days till wedding. And the rest of this entire episode is basically them split up into genders. The women are trying on wedding dresses in front of their moms, friends, and each other. And the men are getting uh, measured for their tuxedo fittings. And we get a couple of conversations peppered throughout really this first one i think is probably the most the only one that seemed important to me anyway where bartice is talking to his sister and he itms that she's skeptical and they've been ride or die since childhood he tells her that the responses he's gotten from his oldest friends were like bro what are you doing and his sister tells him that is if he's not a superficial guy and he shouldn't let his friends opinions drag down the experience for him the only thing the family cares about is for him to be happy and they'll support him through this decision so after the abortion conversation that Nancy had with his family, it seems like that is smoothed over. This is a blessing, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, it's, sister says, you've grown through this. You should get married. If that's not a blessing, I don't know what is. I agree. We see Zenob and Nancy try on dresses. Nancy's mom produces tears. They call her Fancy Nancy. Matt and his hat boy is <laughs> trying on the jacket. I'm sorry, a source boy. And then we see <laughs> Colleen in her white dress, SK trying on his Agbada outfit, traditional Nigerian outfit. Uh, Raven trying on dresses, saying she has, and talks about how it's a Nigerian wedding, but put an American twist. And Alexa says, like the titties. And we see <laughs> uh, Brennan and his brother, who has no cowboy hat on. And he tells his brother that their family is just like ours. Why do you think he had, he took the hat off? I don't know, but I wrote it down too. No cowboy hat. Different cultures. Uh, Minutia Alarm. Uh, she was, he, the brother says she was good at the farm out of her comfort zone. We see Alexa check out dresses. She's leaning into this princess archetype. No, no, no. Did they even look at the pictures I sent in? No sequin, no tool. Um, and she finds the dress, a friend produces tears and she says, we're not allowed to cry. We make fun of the people who are emotional. 
groom store, Cole wears a hat and says, I bet Zay wouldn't mind this on the wedding day. He's so silly. <laughs> That's his whole thing. It's like, I just want to fuck up every important moment for her with some dumb joke. Do you think this hat's stupid <laughs> enough? Would that be a dumb enough joke for me to fuck up our wedding? Part one, throw her <laughs> beloved lock into the lake. <laughs> Part two, this dumb fucking hat. Uh, he says, her parents aren't going to be there. Least I can do is stick with her uh, black or navy uh, thing. I don't want to make it any more stressful, yeah. even though I I love stressing her. Zenob looks at dresses with Beverly, her stepmom, who reiterates the PTC. Which one do you think your mom would like? She'd like them all. And Zenob says she pictured most important women in her life being at the wedding. She knows her mom's with her. They'll get the sister on video call. And Zenob produces tears when she finds the dress. The sister helps pick which, which dress out. I'm like, it's like they're trying to lean into like say yes to the dress or like those wedding dress shows. Yeah, it's that. It's also like they're forcing the retelling of these PTCs so many times that like by this point, when Zena does her PTC here again, that she, you know, basically she wish her parents could be there, but obviously they're no longer with us on this mortal plane. She pulls tears from herself, from Colleen, from her sister, from Nancy and from her stepmom. It's a, a tear waterfall, but it has less impact because we've already heard this PTC multiple, multiple, multiple times. And they make all these players retell their PTCs. Matt has told his fucking PTC. I don't know how many times. It, there's something about how they structure the revelation of this information that is just like it loses its steam. And we're now in this part where this is a huge emotional moment for this character. And it, to me, didn't resonate quite like it should have. They do have him repeat the AC heat thing several times. And it's like, that should just be one. Yeah. Yeah, Brennan too. I agree. But then we see Seven Days Till Weddings. SK and Raven are in their apartment. He gives her a golden chalice and they discuss dress fitting and shopping. She says that he doesn't think dress shopping is as big of a deal as it is. And he's like, maybe I don't. He asks how the fabric shopping shopping with his mom went. It was good. It was fine. She brings up the advice of always having stew in the house. And SK laughs at this. And he tells her that he appreciates how involved she is with trying to integrate with the culture, making his family feel comfortable. And he's like, the only concern they really have is about her family not showing up. She's like, well, I don't have any siblings. And uh, my mom doesn't want to be involved in this. And my grandma is too old. And my other family members are all busy. She's only got three people in her family. And they, none of them are going to come. What can she do? And Raven feels like she's being picked on here. She's doing everything they want. What else can she do to make uh, his family comfortable? And she asks SK to back her up and not make her feel like she's messing up for his family. Raven says she's marrying him, not the family, but they're so part of his identity. And she brings up this name thing, some conversation they had before this about her saying, if I had a different name, it wouldn't matter. I'd still be the same person. But SK felt differently. We hear these heartbeat sounds as SK is weighing what she said. And then he says he can make his own decisions, but it's important for him to have his family on board, crucial to have their backing in this, but he's not going to throw away the happiness he found because of that. And we cliffhang. And that was it. That was season or episode seven and eight. Again, the almost the entire end of this episode eight, in my opinion, narratively useless. Nothing is progressed. There are no changes in any of these relationships. They instituted that false drama from the uh, cocktail party where Colleen goes out with the other girls to a dance club and uh, Matt can't find her and Bartiste is saying dumb shit about looks matter and whatever. They tried to like basically use the exact same things we already saw these couples fighting about and re-hit them again in this. 
and it falls completely flat when the next morning they're all shopping for fucking wedding dresses. Uh, and then the wedding dress shopping itself is like, I guess there's mild interest in seeing them revealed in the dresses, but they're not really because they're just trying them on. They're not tailored properly yet or anything. It's like, we're not going to see them in the real wedding dress until the wedding anyway. So like, why, why spoil that revelation? Why spoil that first image? It's very strange. I don't know. There are things that the show doesn't do well. Yeah. I feel like it's like they want something to do during this time period to like escalate it, make it feel like a real wedding, that kind of thing. But it's also like you're doing it with all these other people at once. You only can bring one friend. Like that's glaring to me how it's like, I mean, I've only done it one time, but I went with a friend who had like all of her friends there and like, yeah, I don't know to get those mom tears. I guess, but they just are like lost. We've already seen them in the hometown. There's something bad about the structure of this. And it is, it really is apparent to me in these episodes right here where it's like, you need something. You got to have some other game element here, some other like twist in the narrative where it's just like, I'm I'm dying. It's hard for me to get through these, you know? Mm. I don't feel like I'm struggling to get through them because I feel like there is a richness to this text that I'm not used to. And like, like the abortion storyline, for instance, like, I love seeing that in the show. I love seeing Nancy and Bartiste navigate it. And I'm like, I'm looking forward to those kind of moments. Um, but I do agree, like the drama has clearly dropped off at this point. And I don't know. I don't know how you really would insert it. Start planting people. Well, I'm telling you, like that thing we were talking about earlier, where you get one final like switcheroo. If you can get someone else in another couple to agree they want to be with you now, you can switch. And then those other two people who are left in the lurch, if they want to, they can couple up. And then you have a wedding where your family thinks they're seeing you marry someone else. <laughs> well, no, that could be before the meeting of the families and shit. You know, you do it basically at, I think, the first time you or the second time you meet where they had the pool party. I think that's where you have the possibility to switch. And then you keep having those people come back together. And maybe there's even one final you can switch back if you want. I think we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. <laughs> I'd watch that fucking show. Yeah. Call it Love is Blind Switcheroo. I'll watch that one. <laughs> and the mascot for it is a kangaroo. Yeah. This is Love is Blind Switcheroo. That was my Australian accent. Thank you. You know what you do? Hang on. You know what you do? You know what you do? <laughs> yeah. Love is Blind is a giant pool of people dating in these pods. You can, if you find somebody, you go out of it, and then the show starts to become about you. But the pods are going 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. If you want to, you can be reinserted into the pod pool. And so you could come back on next season if you can get somebody else out of there. Do you think there would be any benefit to having one of the couples come out of the pod later or you show that? Or something just so that they're earlier in the process. No, because you then you would have to end them. You know what it is? It's it's for ease of shooting that they have them clustered like that. But you almost want to like follow one couple through and then do another one. Like that doesn't work either though, because you need a full season of screen time for players to build like identities and parasocial relationships with them. I don't know. I'm gonna keep thinking about this. And when they're all together, you still want to have that. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like right now, 
these last two episodes to me had very little interesting shit in them. And a little bit of it is on the producers. Like they were right that they need to amp up the drama again. Like we needed to see these couples get into trouble again, but they're in the exact same trouble they were in after the pool party. It's literally the exact same conversations being had again. Mm -hmm. And they're just re-showing us PTCs and re-showing us the same arguments. And it's like, why don't you told me that they got over that problem. Like, why are they still arguing about it now? It's not good, like, narrative structure. Yeah, like, maybe they should be hinting at the PTCs, but then go in depth more. They should escalate emotionally in the edit. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think there is something to be done in the edit here, but I think it's also just in, like, the the structure of the game itself. There's an element missing at this point in the game that they need to figure out, or we can figure it out for them and uh, see if we can help save Love is Blind. <laughs> <laughs> next episode <laughs> we'll let you know how to do it no. it's look i don't mean to disparage the show either i think it's a fantastic show i will be watching it all the time i'm just saying we're still in the early phases of it and the game is not crystallized yet it will be and i think this is one of the things that will change about it time will tell for her tear play for her setting herself up for a possible victimization edit for Hand, again, handling these abortion conversations so well and navigating this family dynamic where, like, I can't imagine meeting a family and I'm and they're like, they bring up abortion. You're like, yeah, pro-abortion. And then the sister immediately produces tears. I can't imagine handling that situation. Nancy was my... M-M-M-M-V-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
with Dark Lord Harrison. I'm still thinking about it. Was the entire time we we're doing the recap. And we're also going to be coming at you 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with a live YouTube show where we're going to be going through a March Madness style bracket of all the greatest parasocial plays of 2022. And anybody watching it in the pit is going to get to vote on those plays. And we're going to get down to the best play, the best parasocial play, I should say, of 2022. Do you have any early predictions? I had one that I immediately thought of. Okay. But then this was the, a relationship reveal. But then people have been sending some to me and I'm like, oh, fuck. There's so many good ones. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be potentially Genevieve Parisi contradicting the Sally suitcase edit. Because if you're looking at it as a bracket, that is coming up against what? What can beat that in head-to-head competition? What social media format was that even on? I believe she did that one on Twitter or maybe Instagram as a caption. I think the only tweet that could be Parasocial Player of the Year would be like when Katie Thurston tweeted about DLH. Like that is the caliber of tweet I'm looking for. You're right. That was a great play. Was that 2022? I don't know. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. It's all bleeding together. Ah! All time in the pit stops. It becomes the same time. Don't know. I think it was before the dual host season. So that was, I mean, it was before her season. Which was Bachelor at 17, which I don't remember what year it was. But down here in the bottom of the pit, time stands still. It all becomes the same thing. It's just a constantly running loop of our beloved game for infinity. But before we go, as always, what is that drawback? It's been 7,575 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then 